Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, back in, just literally off the plane a little bit ago, and I couldn't leave you guys hanging this week without a podcast, so I'm piping hot and ready to go for you guys today. This last week, I spent some time in Maui, and like all vacations that I tend to do, the wife, uh, <laughs> I make a deal with her where uh, there's not going to be any VW stuff. I hadn't planned on doing any VW stuff, and it just so happened that my boy Keone ordered a shirt from me. And I say my boy because now we're boys now. So he ordered a shirt from me off the website, and I saw where it was going. I looked it up, and I was headed to Maui for the week, and I thought, you know what, dude? I'll bring the guy a shirt, man. So I thought that would be a pretty cool thing to do, bring the shirt out there, meet up with a fellow V-Dub uh, enthusiast, and just kind of kick it for a minute, whatever. So I sent him a message. I said, hey, I'm going to be coming out to Maui this week. I'm going to bring your shirt and hat with me, and we'll get to meet you face-to-face and whatnot. And it just so happens that I get out there to Maui, and we're shooting some text messages back and forth. Still have yet to even talk to the guy and uh, end up calling him up some, sometime around Wednesday, I think it was. We set a date for Wednesday. I said, he says, yeah, man, I'll get the guys together. We'll do this. I said, no, nah, no, no big deal, man. Let's just let's just meet up and kick it for a minute. You know, no big deal. And I ended up uh, reaching out to him. We connected for Wednesday of this week. So it was uh, day before yesterday. Met up with him and he said, I'm going to have a couple of the guys come out. So met up in a shopping center and then we followed him over to a locale where everybody was meeting and of course Hawaii's still in the lockdowns pretty well so you can't like go through a sonic you can order your food but you can't eat it in the car you got to drive away and go eat it someplace else so me and all the rebels in the valley isle v-dub club met up in a parking lot and a couple other guys that didn't have vw some dotson guys and a couple mini truckers but you know just car guys nonetheless right so and uh, i get to meet a bunch of the cats from hawaii from maui over there and those guys are out there doing big things man i got to meet tnt <laughs> tnt uh motors uh a father and son duo and the, and the dad big tony's been doing stuff since way back in the day chopping bugs and suiciding doors and all that stuff since the since the 70s on on maui over there and then uh, got to read, uh, I got to meet Jody Medeiros, and he showed up first, and he's got a little split window home. He showed up in his little Manx buggy. And all these dudes in, all these dudes in Maui, man, are rocking some big power stuff, right? Got to kick it with those guys for a minute. Also got to meet uh, Nelson Dorigo. He's got, what was really cool is he had a 70 bug, and his 70 bug he's had since high school. So still had the original gold leafing and stuff on the back. Uh, he also owns... He's got a, quite a bit of a collection. He had his uh, buggy in April 2000, Hot VW's Magazine. So you guys can look that up if you want to know who I'm talking about. So Nelson's kind of one of the heavy hitters out there. And he's got a little collection. He also just picked up Frenchie's 54, uh, the Red 54 that we talked about during Frenchie's podcast. So that was pretty legit. And then comes big turbo power, right? This dude rolls up in this mob and convertible, big fat daddy turbo hanging off the back. And that was Brandon Gonzaga. Now, Brandon, Brandon's a big heavy hitter over there in Maui, running some big power on the streets, man. This guy's got street cars that'll run some of these uh, track cars down pretty good. So got to chat with him for a few minutes. Big shout out to the the, the Valley Isle V-dubs, uh, all the guys in Maui, man, totally legit. These guys were, were so cool just to meet up impromptu real quick like – you know, like 10 dudes showed up and kicked it, and we just kind of checked out all their cars, and we just chatted about stuff, and I handed out a bunch of free stickers, and I wish I'd have brought more stuff to give away to some of those guys, but man, I tell you, Maui was super nice, and it was nice to have a, a nice good vacation, and then also be able to go out and hang out with some of these guys for a minute, you know, um, my main guy, Keone, he's he's just legit, man, solid dude, works at a place called uh, Hawaii Cement out there, runs a plant. And just a, he's, he's got a split window home he's building. Nicest guy, man. All the dudes out there are super legit. So I'm looking forward to going back to Maui 
and uh, spending some quality VW time out there, man. But I'm going to get a lot of these guys on the podcast coming up because they're doing big things out there in Maui. And I just want to make sure that these guys, you know, we get some of the history that's happening on the on the islands out there and uh, who's doing who's doing what and what big things are happening and who's the movers and shakers out there. But I definitely got some insight as to all those guys and who they were. Um, it was it was just a, just a great time to be able to hang out with these guys and, uh, you know, it, it, it just sharing that VW enthusiasm, man. It's, it, it's, it's multicultural, goes across all kind of cultures, all across the ocean, and it's just a great time. So you're ever in Maui, man. Look for the uh, Valley Isle V-Dub Club. V-Dubs, join their Facebook page and uh, hit them up, man. Those guys always got something cool going on. And all them dudes got old cars, man. They all got splits and ovals and all this stuff, baby windows, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time. So back from that, this weekend I'm going to be headed out to uh, Volks Jam out in Parker, Arizona. So George and I are going to be hitting the road tomorrow, camp out one night, and we'll hang there for Saturday, do do what they do down there in Parker. So we'll be checking out that event. I know some of you guys will be in Octa this weekend, but that's where we're going to be. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, back on the road and, and uh, hitting some quality time at a VW event. I know my wife's getting crazy with it because uh, she <laughs> we just finished up my event and now I'm going into this other event. It's kind of show season partially is kicking off because there's a lot of stuff that starts popping off in the fall. And uh, I know uh, two weeks uh, on the 23rd coming up is the uh, there's a cruise going on in Temecula. So check out Facebook. I'm sure you guys can find that uh, cruise that's going to be going on. But this weekend for me, it's going to be Volks Jam down in Parker, Arizona. Hopefully you see a bunch of my, my, my buddies there from Vegas, and uh, I look forward to that. But uh, right now, let me drop a little commercial here for you for Ross Wolf. You know, we just you just saw the uh, the Class 11 Street Thumper that George is putting together for me, and we just outfitted with a bunch of Ross Wolf gear. And uh, let's drop a Ross Wolf commercial for you guys. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW. Gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body-to-pan kits. All constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out RossWolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to RossWolf.com and check back often for an always expanding catalog. That's RossWolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. RossWolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. And I also want to remind you guys that this podcast is brought to you by VW Trends Magazine. Go to VWTrendsMagazine.com and sign up for a new subscription second second issues out third one's coming out real soon and uh, lots of good stuff to check out there um they've had they've featured plenty of cars they're doing something different again in the scene kind of mixing things up so i'm excited to see that magazine back out and you guys can most certainly get in there and subscribe to vw trends magazine they just got their black shirts out so legit black vw trends magazine shirt it's a friend maker man in hawaii i'm down there in hawaii some guys like hey man you got a vw and i'm like How's this guy know I got a VW? And I look down, I'm wearing a VW Trans Magazine shirt. <laughs> so it's a conversation starter on top of that. So shout out to uh, Jimmy that I met in, in Maui in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, we wrapped about a 64 Volkswagen. He's up near Sacramento area. Hopefully he gets that, uh, gets that bug back on the road. But yeah, it's a, it's a friend maker, man. The VW community, legit. I love it. I love all of it, guys. 
So without any further ado, guys, we're going to get into it this week, man. Surprise podcast for you guys. Well, not a surprise. You guys were expecting it. But we got a podcast, dope podcast coming up for you this guy this week on Let's Talk Dubs. Okay, so today's show, I've got Randy Long. He's out of Fullerton, California. He does a bunch of paint work. Uh, he's been painting cars for quite a few years for the guys from DKK, former member of DKK Car Club, and also the owner of Der Speed Shack. Uh, Randy, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Hey, so we got kind of connected through, uh, I think we got connected, it might have been through Tiger. Yeah, uh, A1. Yeah, through Tiger Day 1, we got to talking, and he says, oh, man, you really need to talk to, to, to Randy. And I said, yeah, I'm looking to get everybody in this podcast that's in the VW scene, and I know you're kind of right there at the heart of it in Southern California, and you've been painting cars uh, for a bunch of your friends and guys in DKK mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people. You're you're doing a paint job right now for uh, for Doug Berg, Doug Berg, and, and I also have a car from Iowa um, for a guy named Nathan who. Uh, if he's listening, then he can uh, hear his name. <laughs> nice, nice. So the way we start the podcast every time is, what's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, I started uh, back in the late 60s, I would say, early 70s, when I was four or five years old, and my mom drove us around in a black 63 Bug, and we had that car that was one of my first memories was being in that car riding in the package tray like all the kids did back in the day yeah and or you know in in the back window and stuff like that and going and watching the drive-in movies at la mirada drive-in seeing herbie and uh song of the south and just all the disney movies that they would play there and stuff when we were kids and unfortunately that car got rear-ended right in front of the uh stonewood mall oh no lakewood i think it is yeah and so they basically totaled it because you know back then a 63 bug wasn't worth anything so right two two thousand dollars brand new right so right exactly and so and when do you get so that's it's kind of a family car and a lot of times we look back you know my dad my dad, when I was in high school, had a uh, 74 Impala, which was like, the, in 88, the most hideous car you could ever be seen in. And now, and now like, the 72. Especially those four-door. Well, no, no, it was, it was a two-door, but 74 to 70, 72 to 74 Impala are known as glass houses now, and those were, like, the, all the rage with the lowrider guys. But, yeah, yeah, in 88, nobody was looking at a 74 Impala. So how, how do you get into um, VWs as a hobby? Like, besides it's a family car, what, what – sparks your interest to start pursuing them for like street cruisers Uh, well uh i turned 16 uh and by then you know my mom had moved on but then she wound up in a 1970 bug back in 80 about 70 78 79 and i turned 16 in 1981 Mm -hmm. and so while i was learning to drive you know she my family wants everybody to learn how to drive stick just so you know whatever so you know, here I am sitting in a bug trying to, <laughs> trying to work a clutch. And, 
nice. <laughs> the, the usual stalling it out 50 times on an uphill red light and stuff. So, um, and then, you know, just kind of as in high school, my first car was a 1970 Plymouth Duster with a 340 in it that, uh, unfortunately I got that car right about the same time Dukes of Hazard came on. So oh. you can imagine what I was doing in that car. <laughs> oh yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> And, you know, and I drove that car, I had it for a year and a half. My dad gave it to me for my birthday and I had it for about a year and a half. And in that year and a half, I probably drove it three months. The rest of the time it was on jack stands with me trying to fix it and figure out how to work on cars. And those weren't, you know, those weren't a super popular car back then. Like Mopar was like the fringe hot rod guys, right? Right. Exactly. Everybody wanted a Camaro or a Mustang or whatever. And, but, you know, my friend, uh, well, all my friends basically had Mopars, really, because we had, uh, here, I grew up in La Habra, La Habra Heights, and in La Habra, they had uh, three hot rods, uh, you know, those, the lots, the, the, the uh, used cars lots that were just hot rods, and they were full of 68 to 70 Roadrunners and Chargers and Barracudas and stuff really? that you could buy for 900 bucks, 1200 bucks, you know, all day long. Wow. all day long and unfortunately those are all gone but <laughs> well, well you know but there's there's one place i just went to in fullerton i want to say fullerton somewhere in that area i can't recall i just drove down there and picked up a corvair corsa for like mm-hmm. three grand off this used car lot like in 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 orange county somewhere and it was like mm-hmm. this and they had mostly newer cars but they had like four or five kind of classic you know, survivor mm-hmm. hot rods in the back. And it was pretty interesting to see on a used car lot still out there in Orange County area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember all those cars and, and I, you know, my friend, you know, had a 72 Barracuda. Uh, another friend had another duster. My friend had a charger. I, you know, and, and so that's what, you know, we drove and, you know, we thought we were cool and all that stuff. And, most of our cars barely ran, but you know, hey, whatever. Right. We were driving, and you know, we had Whittier Boulevard, and you know, Whittier Boulevard was still going on when you know I was sixteen to about twenty years old, twenty-one years old. So. And Whittier you know. was like the spot, right? I mean, you had everything oh, there. Oh man, man, you couldn't. It, Friday nights, that's and and Saturdays for that matter, but Fridays mostly. I mean, you. It. I mean, it was about a maybe a three mile stretch of it that, that the hot rod guys cruised in, in downtown Whittier. And that three miles would take you an hour and a half to do because there were so many cars driving around and, you know, and people throwing revs and, you know, and, and all the parking lots on either side were all the clubs and stuff. And people were driving around looking for street races and stuff like that. You know, and then every once in a while, everybody would pick up and drive down to either uh, Santa Fe Springs road or, or one of the other uh, dra- drag strips that, that are right. in downtown Whittier. <laughs> right, right, the midnight drag strip, right? Yeah. And, you know, and then they'd, you know, they'd race, and then everybody would come back to, to Whittier Boulevard and, you know, and, and go on about, you know, their evening and stuff like that. But it was really cool growing up in that era and being that close to it, you know. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and but, now, you're, now you're rocking a th- the, the 340 Duster. When does, the, uh, when does your world change for you on that end? Uh, my world changed about two weeks before graduation in 1983, and yeah. you know, I, for the my whole entire senior year, I probably drove my car maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Really? <laughs> yeah, and you know, and so I was either riding my bicycle or riding the bus or whatever I was, you know, 
however I was getting to and from school. Right. Or my sis riding with my sisters, which God, you know, who wants to ride with your sister? Nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was a senior in high school, and uh, Corey McLenathan, uh, the drag racer, uh-huh. uh, he was picking up his sister. His sister went to my school. She's a year younger than I am. And he pulled in in the uh, the white oval that he drag raced back in the 70s and early 80s with the graphics on it. Yeah. It was still a street car, strip car at that time. And everybody there just stopped and looked at this car and was like, wow. Yeah, you know, never. And then when he picked her up and took off, it was like, "Holy crap! Did you see that?" Yeah. You know? He stomped it getting out of there. What? What? Oh yeah, everybody did. You know that's, that's that was the, that was like leaving. It was like 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 leaving uh, Nick's Burger on, uh, Ex- on exactly. DKP night. Yeah. Yeah. This this was uh, Sonora High School, uh, 1983, and right here in Fullerton, La Habra, right on the border here. And yeah, so he picked up his uh, sister and, you know, I was like, whoa, did you see that? And then, you know, so I started, uh, I was working on my duster again, putting a new engine in it because I'd blown the, uh, the old one up. <laughs> and my uncle was, you know, driving, uh, he, he had a, a 76 Dodge van, but he also had this 65 bug that he had. And, you know, and so I was talking to him, he said, hey, I'll sell you the, the bug if you want. And I said, eh, you know, I like my car, blah, blah, blah. He said, well, if you ever change your mind, you know, I said, okay. So here I go, you know, it's coming down almost to graduation time. And, uh, you know, I'm tired of not having a car. Right. (laughs) And so I call him up again. Hey, will you sell me that car still? I said, sure. You know, $1,000, whatever, you know. And here it is. It's still six volt. It's a 1200 CC 40-horse motor all stock but a primer because he had had to do some body work but inside it was the bahama blue or bahama blue is that what it, yeah i think that's what it, the light blue color yeah and uh you know but it was, it was a nice car had you know a decent interior in it and everything and so i came up with a thousand dollars worked my ass off sold my car and and all this bought the car and i went from and then mind you this is back when gas was you know, 75 cents yeah, for a premium. Yeah, it was pretty cheap back then. <laughs> for a premium. And I was putting, you know, $20 in my duster when I when it would run about every three days. Right. <laughs> and so I, I buy this bug with a 1200 in it. I fill it up for less than $10. And I drove the thing for two weeks. And, and I called my uncle. I said, Is, does, does the gas gauge work in this? Because it hasn't moved in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it works just don't worry you know and you know my first tank of gas lasted me about you know uh about three weeks you know? <laughs> oh, yeah because I, I didn't i you know i mean driving just in la habra area you don't you know it's you know three or four miles and stuff well you can't and, you can't really wring the neck of a 1200 there's no point you're just making noise <laughs> you know well, you can't you can i my last 63 I... <laughs> 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 but uh yeah so you know, and then, you know, I also went from uh, getting pulled over constantly in my duster uh, to not even being looked at by the local PD. I mean, uh, one November, October, November, I got pulled over 30 times in one month. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, twice in one night by the same cop. Would you have no <laughs> no pipes on the thing or what? No, I just drive like an idiot, you know, <laughs> Bo and Duke, <laughs> Bo and Luke Duke. Oh, know? yeah, trying to jump it, trying to jump yeah. the Shopco parking yeah. lot. 
Yeah, doing burnouts everywhere and, you know, just being an idiot and, you know, and being where I wasn't supposed to be and stuff and, you know, and just being an idiot kid. Yeah. And so anyways, back to the bugs, you know, so I, I drive this thing for, I don't know, about two or three months. The 65 is sunroof car, nice little, you know, uh, neat little car. And then I decide I want to lower it. And so I talked to my uncle and he says, yeah, no problem. You know, you get the beam because they were just starting to do the adjustable beams. They were getting away from the select drop and, and doing the adjustables. Uh-huh. And so I bought the beam, I bought wheels for it and tires and everything. And then I took it out to my uncle's house who lived in Yukaipa. And, uh, you know, we spent the whole day, did the front beam, got it all back together. And uh, so here it is like nine o'clock at night and I'm ready to go home. And then my grandfather calls and says, hey, I just finished your dad's new truck. He just put a ladder rack on his little Dodge D50 that he bought brand new two weeks prior. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, cool. I'll tow my bug home and, uh, you know, and I'll take both cars at once, thinking I'm going to be all smart about it and everything. Right. And so so I'm driving home, coming down the, uh, the 10 freeway there at about 10 o'clock by the time I got everything hooked up. Right about where Fontana Speedway is, uh, right in the Cherry uh, Avenue area there. Yeah. And um, I'm driving down the freeway, and, I, and I'm looking. At, you know, I'm trying to look for, out further ahead, and I see a dog out in the middle of the freeway. Oh no. And I'm thinking, uh oh. So I slow down, and the dog turns around and goes back to the center divider there. And so I let off the brake, and as soon as I let off the brake, I'm probably like a hundred feet from where he is. Oh. He turns around and darts in front of me, and my natural reaction is to hit the brake, which that little D50 with the bug behind it, the bed just lifted up, it jackknifed, my bug started rolling down the freeway, basically, oh, no. uh, came off the tow bar, oh, rolled, no. about, yeah, rolled about three times, and then landed against those eucalyptus trees right there. Meanwhile, my dad's brand new truck that I'm sitting in with my butthole tight and clinched as tight as it can be oh. is, is doing 360s down the freeway and then slams into the side of a, a eucalyptus tree. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so wasted that one. And, uh, you know, you know, I'm sitting there and I, it, it was laying on its side. I look out my window and I see the bottom of the car and I'm like, oh, crap. And oh, so I roll man. it back. You know, I get out. I'm I'm okay. Everything is okay. My dad's truck's all bent up. You know, brand new, brand new truck. Oh my gosh, bro, that's the worst <laughs> story ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I roll my car back onto its wheels and stuff. And I, and, you know, the the sunroof's laying out in the street and everything. A CHP guy pulls up. Are you okay? And I said, Yeah. And he says, How about the other car? And I said, No, I was towing this car. And he goes, Okay, I got another call. I'll be right. I'll be back later. And he takes off. And I'm like, huh, That was weird. Yeah. Thanks. And and then about 20 minutes later, you know, the, another cop pulls up, CHP pulls up and, you know, and, and starts looking at everything and then gives me the 502 test. <laughs> I'm 17 years old, you know, I right. really wasn't into partying at that time. And uh, I was just getting into it, but I wasn't that night. <laughs> right, right. And so, uh, you know, it runs the whole thing and then gets a tow truck and says, oh, you can drive the truck home. It looks like it's okay, but the bug's going over here. So, you know, I drive my my dad's truck home. <laughs> he was a fire, a LA County fireman. And so, you know, I, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't home that day. I parked it in, in the driveway and he came home the next morning. And as you can imagine, he was effing pissed. Oh, man. <laughs> so, 
yeah, uh, basically, you know, wasted his truck, but they fixed it. And, you know, he continued to drive it for another 10 years or whatever. My bug was totaled and went from a thousand dollar car to AAA only giving me 200 bucks for the thing, you know, and saying, well, it's a 63 and it's, you know, our 65, it's not worth anything. Right. You know, but I had it insured for a thousand dollars and that's brutal. You know, so now I no no car and stuff. So, and you know, so then yeah, I kept looking, and like I said, my friends were were mostly into Volkswagens and stuff. So, you know, we were looking, and that at that time, you know, you had the recycler. You know, every Thursday you'd you'd get a new recycler, and you could buy a twenty three window bus for nine hundred bucks if right. you wanted. But but who wanted one of those things? Because those things are slow. Right, they're lame. <laughs> yeah, buses are lame. Yeah, back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you couldn't give those things away back then. No. And uh, so then I I find uh, from there, I find a fifty five oval ragtop uh, with no pan, uh, but the body's all there and everything. So I go and look at it. And, you know, it's all in pieces, but it was 300 bucks and, you know, and I had 200 and I, and, uh, I worked for another hundred bucks and, uh, you know, so I bought the thing, drug it home and started putting it together, trying to, you know, piece the parts and everything and, and get it going. And, but it was, you know, he had stripped it to bare metal and it was starting to rust. So I had to do something. And so a friend of my dad's uh, tells me, hey, you know, the kid across the street from me, you know, he paints cars. And I said, oh, yeah. So he says, yeah, I'll introduce you to him. So uh, little did I know I was going to get introduced to one of my best friends since 1981 or 83, I guess, you know, uh, in Danny Gabbard. And, uh, you know, he came over one night. He had just gotten married and looked at the car and you know we made a deal to paint it so to get it off the the thing and he only charged me 900 bucks and and we're going to paint the thing black (laughs) nice and you know so you know he's got the car for about six months and when we finally get it done but in the meantime i'm looking at his car and he's got the uh the red notch uh that he had built which uh you know he uh, he's won a ton of stuff with, with sure. his cars and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so anyways, you know, we get the car done and start putting it together and, you know, and then he talks me into a 1776 in it, you know, and putting it on five spokes and then getting me into DKK back in 1984, I think it was. Yeah. It'd be about 1984. So 1984, you end up getting into uh, DKK. Yes. Uh, you know, one of in, in the original, in the original formation of, and you know but so i hear i got this super bitch and black uh oval window ragtop and you know and i'm in dkk and and uh this is back when bill schwimmer uh was in it uh rick meredith danny gabbard uh glenn gasky was was in it at the time and uh uh you know just just all the guys from from the the early to mid to mid 80s were still there and you know and everybody was cool everybody partied together and we would go to you know to the last bug and we all went together and we spent the entire night trying to get danny's notch ready and uh uh so that he could win best of show and i I think he either won it then or the next uh uh uh, show he he won the uh the best in show with it which was pretty cool 
because that car was was really nice yeah. you know, back in the day. But I talk to him now, and, and he says oh, that car was a pile of shit, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was a '64 that I had welded a, a '68 uh, uh, front clip on it because it had been in an accident, and it was, you know, nothing was right on it. But you know, it, it looked shiny, so you know, oh, yeah, I liked it. When we're teenage, <laughs> when we're teenagers, man, the stuff that we're pulling off is pretty miraculous, you know. Yeah, I mean, as far as what, what everything was like and what it really was, you know. Yeah, back exactly. Then. And. Uh, so, but, you know, after seeing his notch, because I had never seen a notch back before, you know, um, and I was like, oh, man, I got to have one of those. I want one of those. And so, you know, uh, but no money, of course, because right. you know, I am partying every single night and I work at a gas station making, uh, geez, at that time, I think it was about 375 an hour or something like that, you know, and if you found a notch back, it was you know, three or $4,000. And, and I'm like, yes, no way I'm going to afford that. You know? Yeah. Notchbacks were never cheap. You know, even back yeah. then they were, they were big money if you found one. Right. And so just on a whim, you know, I'm, I'm at this party in Fullerton cause that's where I did all my partying was in sunny Hills here with you know, my party friends here. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the guys says, Oh, I got a notch back. Uh, and it used to be in your club too, you know? And so I, I go over there and, and look at it and you know now it's got a primer fender which would have never made it into the club and you know and, and it's it's beat down now it's it's well past its prime right but it was but it was a notchback and i said what do you want for it they said i'll trade you for your car for my black my oval and i said really okay really <laughs> next day it was done and Danny was so pissed off at me for doing that he's like that car's a piece of shit you traded your you're, you know, right. you're a black car. I mean, do you know how much time I spent? Because I don't know if you know Danny Gabbard or, or of Danny Gabbard. Yeah, this is but, is this the same Danny Gabbard from GabFab or? Uh, yes, yeah. exactly. Well, if you see his metal work, oh yeah, it's He's it's meticulous. It super is, meticulous. Yeah. Yes, and even back in 1983, that my black car had not a single ounce of Bondo on it. That's how straight he made that car. Metal work, the whole thing, huh? Yeah, and. uh you know, it was amazing to me and it uh, wasn't to anybody else, really, because, you know, like I said, it, it needed a few things done to it. It had a few ripples on it and stuff like, you know, and he he shrank them all and did everything he could to to not have any filler on that car. So he, and, he uh, certainly wasn't happy that you swapped it. Now, you swapped it for his <laughs> old notch is the one you ended up getting? No, no was for, it? Uh, for a guy, Bob, uh, the guy that he just passed away like two months ago. Um, but he, he had built a car when he was in the club. It was a 67 notchback, a tan car with 14-inch uh, uh, alloys on it. And, uh, you know, but like I said, by the time I got it, uh, it, it had been run through the ringer. And, uh, yeah. you know, and it barely ran. And, you know, I seized the motor up driving home drunk one night. And I know I'm not supposed to do that, but this was the 80s and it was a whole different scene. Right. <laughs> And so I'm standing on the side of the side of Imperial Highway in Santa Fe Springs with a, you know, a notch that seized up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good scene. Yeah. And so I basically I, I left it there all night. You know, my mom came and picked me up and, uh, you know, and drove me home. And then the next day we towed the thing home and, uh, uh, you know, and I went and got a gex motor for it which didn't run and blew up about five maybe 
a hundred miles into it, the thing completely just imploded. Really? And yeah. So they did another one for me and then I, I traded it for a 58 bug or no 59 European ragtop semaphores and all prime and primer and stuff for to another friend of mine. So you go through high school, you go through all this trouble to get the notch just to trade it away. Yeah. And I was so happy it was gone. It was to me, it was just, it it was such a pile of crap. It was cursed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I go and I get this, this car and it's still six bolt and it's not, you know, it, it, it probably just needed a new battery, but I was, kind of dumb and young dumb and you know no clue and so i drove that car for about six months and then finally said you know what screw this i i I need to sell this and and go buy a new car and something that that runs and at this time uh you know one of the guys at the gas station had just you know uh bought himself a brand new toyota truck and it was like five thousand dollars and his payment was 110 dollars a month right think think, i can do 110 dollars a month sure sure (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I went and I bought myself a Nissan truck and I drove that and, and swore I'd never own another Volkswagen again. This is in 1985. So it's 85. And, so it's still, it's still a 720 body style. Uh, or the, is the square first, one is the first year of the, the hard bodies. No, no, it was uh, the 720. It was before the, uh, the hard bodies. Yeah. And, uh, cause I would have never bought the Nissan. I, I never liked that hard body uh, right. car. It, it's not my style. But I I did like that Nissan. It was so clean looking, and you know. And then I tell my dad, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna cut it off, cut the top off, and make it a convertible." And it's, it's, your dad's like, "I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, cut that truck." Yeah, he's about to smack me upside the head. You know? Right. And, yeah, he still tells me to this day, "Well, you're gonna cut the top off of this one." Oh man. And uh, you know, so I drive this car, you know, and I, I'm growing up and, you know, learning how to do things and actually earn a living and, you know, and, and well, earn a living, if that's what you want to call it. Sure. And, you know, you know uh, meet my, my future wife, we start dating, and then I buy another uh, Ford truck. And, you know, my wife or, you know, my girlfriend at the time and I, we get married and move out to Lake Elsinore. And, you know, so it's 1990. Mm-hmm. Bought a bought a house out there. We're married, you know. Have a, I, you know, my son's is born nineteen ninety August in August of nineteen ninety, and uh, you know, so I go along, and I still don't have a Volkswagen. It's been right. five we, years. Well, I think we all go through that. That we all go through that part where we kind of take a break and we start a family and start doing this stuff and think like, you know, I've matured. Bugs are for kids, yeah. and then you start thinking like, I should get another bug again. <laughs> Well, it, it, and it wound up, it came about like this is, uh, you know, I, I was, like you said, I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, I want a boat. And, you know, <laughs> and a, a friend of mine, you know, he's, he's, he was one of the sales guys at, at Eliminator. And he had this boat come in that had been punched in the side and they had repaired it, but it was a total. And they just gave him a new boat, a new hole and just re-rigged all of his stuff into the new hole. And so here I am sitting on this boat, you know, and so I went and bought a trailer or boat and trailer Mm -hmm. and I dragged this boat home and I'm going to do this boat. And, you know, a friend of mine who's a boat painter is going to help me paint it and do all this. And well, you know, that never happens because, you know, no money, you got young kids and a house payment and everything, but you know, you got this, you know, project out here that's always going to be a project. So, 
you know, I finally decide that that boat's never going to get built. And uh, so a friend of mine says, I want it. And I said, all right, but I'm keeping the trailer because I want the trailer. So I went and I drug the boat over to his house, tied it up to his garage and yanked the trailer out from underneath of it and left him sitting there. Oh, get out the of here. In his driveway. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> That's what he wanted. So. Wow. And so now I got this boat trailer that I'm going to make a car trailer out of. And uh, I go, I'm driving down into Temecula because, like I said, I live in uh, Lake Elsinore, Wildemore area. And there's a mechanic down there, and, and, and my truck needed an air conditioning service on it. And so, you know, I, I drive down there, and, and I'm talking to the guy, and I look, and I see a Carmen Ghia sitting in the back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I haven't had a, a Volkswagen in, in years. I used to have, you know, do this, this, and this. And he says, well, it's for sale if you want. And somehow he knew, or we talked about my trailer. And I said, well, what do you want for that gear? And it was a 70 gear. Yeah. And, and he goes, 600 bucks. What do you want for your trailer? And I said, 600 bucks. And he says, you want to trade? And I said, sure. So now I'm towing home a, a 1970 Carmen Ghia. Nice. And, you know, it was a complete car. And that's what really started it out back for me there, you know. And so then we, uh, you know, I get the car running. So what year drive. is this you pick up the 70 Ghia? This is in about 92. Uh-huh. And yeah, I get the car running. The guy around the corner is a good friend of mine. He's a painter. He you know, the car was really straight. He painted it white for me and, you know, and I put it together. I, I rounded up some uh, two liter alloys on for it. Uh, Danny painted them for me. Or actually, no, he didn't paint them. I, I painted them myself. And I hadn't talked to Danny since about 1985. Really? Know, when, it, when I'd sold my Volkswagen and stuff, he kind of moved on. He was, he was getting divorced and he moved down to San Diego somewhere working on Porsches and stuff and didn't really talk to him. And, you know, and, and I was just moving on, you know, I, I'm married with kids and grown up and I don't have time to party and drink all the time. And right. So, you know, and so uh, we go on and on and about 93, well, it was 93. Um, I quit drinking in 90, 1993 because uh, I was drinking quite a bit. Right. And congratulations. <laughs> and yeah, so I've been sober for 28 years now. Nice. So, and so, you know, and uh, I'm still driving the gear and I'm loving this car. And I'm uh, at this time, I'm working on the freeway uh, doing center divider work, you know, the concrete center divider. Yeah. And I was driving the Carmen Ghia from uh, Wildemar to Stanton every day and back you know, and it's a great car driving. And, and I just happened to pick up, uh, I stopped in for a soda one day at the liquor store and picked up a hot VWs. And I'm looking at the Carmen Ghia on the cover. It was a early black Carmen Ghia or not on the cover. It was inside the thing. I think I, I forget, but I, I'm looking at it and this is Danny Gabbard's, uh, you know, 58 Ghia, you know, and I'm all, I know that dude, you know, <laughs> right. You know, and so, you know, I, I'm reading the article and I see that he's got a shop in Anaheim and, you know, so I'm like, huh, I drive by Anaheim every day, you know, so I, I look him up in the phone book and, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I get his address and just one day I thought, you know, I'm going to stop by. And so I pull in there and, you know, and he looks up at, you know, at this time he's got long hair and he's got a bandana on. 
and you know, and he's barely scraping by. And I pull up in this Carmen Ghia and he's like, Oh God, who's this clown? You know, and I right. get out of the car and he looks at me and he goes, Randy, oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> and since then, you know, he and I are buddies again. You know, every, you know I stopped by there two or, two or three times a week on my way home from work and stuff. And, and, you know, and I'm telling him about all these cars out in Riverside and stuff. And he's all, yeah, I should get one and, and this and that. And, and, you know, and, and so we go on and on and, and, you know, everything's you know cruising along and it's about 95 ish and mm-hmm. and uh i buy a new house in or not a new house an old house in la Habra heights right down the street from where i grew up and um still got my carmen gear and you know i'm just you know driving back and forth i get laid off on the freeway and i start uh i became a because I work construction as well. Right. I'm an electrician now, and but uh, you know, at this time I, you know, I've done just about every trade in the in the the field. So, um, you know, so I'm now I'm a superintendent doing the remodel at Whittier Press Hospital there. Yeah. And you know, and I and I'm just Volkswagens are coming out of the seams finding me at this point. Right. You know? Like I mean, everywhere I'm, you look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they're nothing, they're free basically. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, I, I go and I, you know, I, I, I find the 61 single cab and I'm driving it. I sold my Carmen Ghia to a guy in England, you know, his daughter came over and looked at it and she drove it and told her dad, yeah, you should buy it. And, so, you know, we made a deal, you know, he bought it and took it back to England with him and, you know, and, and he loved the car and whatever, it's gone. And I used that money, bought myself a single cab and I'm driving that. Um, meanwhile, I've still got my, you know, my new Chevy truck and stuff and I'm driving it. But, but you know, basically doing that and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, well, I'm working, I get laid off of of the freeway before I go to, to Whittier Press. And I'm mm-hmm. working at this, uh, this place uh, down in Fullerton. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, right down the street from where I paint cars right now. And it's one of the guys who was in DKK, um, Jeff Douglas. And uh, his dad had just passed away and he had taken over the business. And Glenn Gasky was his engineer who was also in DKK. And, you know, I'm still driving that at this time, I'm still driving the Carmen Ghia. And he's, and one day I'm talking, you know, I came into the office after work and I'm like, Hey, Gwen, he's like, Hey, see, you're still into Volkswagens and stuff. You know, Hey, I got this, uh, this old banner, our old banner from DKK, you want it? And, you know, I'm all sure because Danny, that's, you know, he's all, dude, we got to put DKK back together. We got to get the band back together, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And I'm like, dude, I don't want to spend another million dollars on Volkswagens. I, I spend every dime I've got, you know, my wife right. will never let me do this and, and that, you know, I said, you know, because back then you, you had to spend everything you had to make your car as nice as possible to, to get into that club. And, but anyways, Glenn comes in one day and he hands me the old banner and, uh, I don't know. That's pretty cool. You know, and I'm thinking the you know, first thing I'm doing is going over to Danny and because, he's going to shit his pants when he sees this thing. Right. And, you know, so I roll up with the, the old DK, you know, and, and I get out of the car and he's like, Hey, what's up? And I get out and I pull out the flag or, you know, the banner and he's like, where'd you get that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and now it's really on to put, you know, DKK back together. Sure. Right? Yeah. 
And, you know, so we start making some phone calls to guys that we still knew and stuff like Rick Meredith and uh, Mark Kessinich and, and stuff. And they're, oh, yeah, I talked to this guy and I still talk to him, you know. And so here it is, you know. But, you know, they they never really wanted to do anything with it. So it kind of, you know, just fizzled a a bit. Right, kind of flounders a little bit, like everybody gets fired up for a minute, and then everybody kind of leans back. Yeah, yeah, and so nobody does anything. Plus, I was the only one with the car, and and to be honest, it would have never made the standards of the car McGee. It was just a good driver, you know. It was a a really good driver, you know, and and I drove it every single day. And, you know, it was – you know, I enjoyed that car, but then I sold it and moved on. And, and, and like I said, I got laid off on the freeway and then I went to work as a superintendent and that's when I really started coming up on Volkswagens and stuff. And, you know, I'm buying cars for $800 and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, $500 still, you know, I, I wind up, uh, I'm working at the hospital and, uh, I break my leg. This is moving on up to about 98 now. So it's 98. The club's not really back together yet. No, no. They haven't done anything. It's basically a, a dead dead fish right now. Right. So, you know, it's 98. It's, uh, let's see, it's summertime in 98. And uh, my uncle tells me, hey, I, you like those Volkswagen buses? And I'm like, yeah, they're cool. Because that is about when buses were starting to, to pick up steam a little bit, you know, yeah. where, where you could actually sell a bus for like eight or nine grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big money, big money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I said, yeah, you know, I'd be interested in that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm living in La Habra Heights now in the new house and I got an acre of property there and I got a two car garage. And when I first moved in, I, I found a guy that had a, a 59 uh, crew cab as well. And so I went up to Stockton and I bought, you know, that's where the guy lived, went up and bought that for 500 bucks, drug it home and parked it in the garage and it sat there for the next 10 years and never got touched. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, but it was a, you know, a cool car, but you know, never, never got done. But, you know, so anyways, my, my uncle tells me, I got a friend that's got one of those buses you like with the split windows. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, so, you know, I go out and, uh, he introduces me to the guy. I go out to his place out in uh, Beaumont out there. Um, and, you know, I see he's got, you know, there's some, some late model Westphalias, but those things were still, you know, nobody wanted those at right. the time. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, I finally, I see over in the corner inside of this Quonset hut over here is, is the 67 panel van that he's trying to get, trying to, you know, are in the corner. And so I go over and I'm looking at him. Well, yeah, it's all right. It had a fresh coat of primer on it, and uh, he tells me, yeah, it used to be, you know, this used to be a bread company, and, and that thing used to just run from here up to Big Bear back and forth once a month or once a week and deliver the bread up to the store up there. And I said, oh, yeah? And he says, yeah, it had the logo on it and stuff. I didn't think I could sell it with it. It's a 67 panel. Yeah. I didn't, th- I didn't think I could sell it with the logo on it, so I sent it down to the body shop and handed primer. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Dude, that would have been so cool with the, with the logo on. Right, right. You know, and so you know, I'm you know, I go and I'm looking at the car and and I said, so what do you want for it? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, what do you want for the bus? And he says, you got to buy all of them. 
I'm all, what are you talking about? And he says, you got to buy all the buses, all the cars here. I need to get rid of all of them. I'm like, well, what else do you got? And so I'm look, I go looking around, and he's got the 67 bus. Yeah. He's got uh, a 68, a 69, a 70, a 71 Westphalia. Yeah, all of them are there. And then he's got a 73 Carmen Ghia, which is still an original paint and looks pretty decent. And then he's got a 63 Corvair in there that I swear to God looked like it just rolled off the showroom floor in original paint and the interior was perfect. The carpet was perfect. Everything on this car was perfect. Wow. And, and I'm like, I don't know anything about Corvairs, but you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so I'm looking Low at mileage original cars are always good. Yeah. And so I'm looking at all these cars and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, at that time, the cars that didn't run, you know, we're thousand, still a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks. And I'm thinking, you know, I got to buy all these cars. You know, I told him, I, I, I'll give you four grand for everything. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, four grand. Uh, some guy said I could get ten grand for all this stuff. And I said, well, you better call him because, uh, you know, if you. Uh, yeah. Now you're intimidated <laughs> out of the deal. You're like, well, I thought this was a deal, man. Now it's a big stress ball for me to buy all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I said, I don't have 10 grand. If that guy's got, whoever told you that, if they got 10 grand, I would suggest selling them to them because I can't afford it. But thanks for letting me look at them. If you change your mind, here's my number. And, you know, and I tell the guy, hey, dude, I'm, and uh, I'm also going on vacation. Uh, you know, I'm going to Lake Powell on a houseboat trip for two weeks. I'll be back in two weeks. And he goes, oh, well, whatever. I'm going to sell them to somebody else. Just a grumpy old man. Right. I'm like, okay. You know, thanks for letting me look. You know, so I go home. Uh, we go on vacation. I come back and the answer machine uh, has got 41 messages on it. And 39 of them are him. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> and each one is getting increasingly more angry because I haven't called them back, even though I told them I'm going on vacation at least four times. Right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I call him back. I'm like, hey, man, I'm back from vacation. Like I said, you know, if you still got them, you know, I, I'll give you four grand for them. And he goes, yeah, just come and get them. And I'm like, okay, I'll be out next weekend to uh to get those and, and then i hang up the phone i'm thinking to myself where the hell am i getting four grand from i don't have four grand right <laughs> you know so i call my dad up and I, I ask him hey can i borrow two grand for a couple weeks you know and he says yeah no problem and then i ask my boss hey can i borrow two grand from you right and uh he says yeah sure no problem you know you're buying cars he says we can always you know sell because he was a car dude too and you know he had a bunch of uh i mean he's got some really nice uh muscle cars and you know 50s cars and stuff like that they're all hot rods yeah you know? and you know he built them all and they're all you know bitching bitching stuff and and you know and he encouraged my uh <laughs> my car purchase, yeah and uh so he loans me the money and so i i you know i take the the four grand and a couple of friends out with me and we go out and we haul all these cars to my house and just park them in the backyard and I put the the bus, the '67, you know, in the in the garage because I didn't want that one getting messed up, and everything else just sat outside. And you know, I wrangled, uh, I did a little side job and wrangled 200 bucks uh, up from it. So I, I, you know, I went and bought myself a battery and a and a carburetor, a Pick 32 carb, and you know, tune-up kit and and a and and some fresh gas and 
put it into the the 68 was in pieces all the other cars were were uh, were 100 percent complete put it into the the 69 uh, westphalia and the thing fired right up and purred like a kid oh wow and i'm like wow that's cool you know and it's a pretty complete westphalia yeah those are super Miss- nice to find yeah, missing a you know a few of the cabinets and, and you know small things and stuff, but you know for the most part a complete car still had the Z bed and all that stuff in it. So you know the hard to find stuff was was in it, and so you know I put it in the recycler and sold it for you know the, in two days for like you know fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and I'm all cool. I'm all cool. So I take you know the fifteen hundred bucks and I. Uh, uh, I, I kept 200 of it to, to buy a carb and, and all this for the next one and, and paid my boss back 1300 bucks. Right. And then I do rebuilding. the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get the next one running, but it's not running great. And this is a, a Saturday morning. And uh, I used to race BMX when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And my son was getting to the age at this point. He was about six or seven. He'd been riding a two wheeler since he was four but I'd never taken them, you know, racing and stuff. So this Saturday I decided, you know, we're going to go racing. I'm going to teach you how to do this. You know, it's a lot of fun. And he's like, yeah, dad, this sounds fun. So we go out to uh Cole Canyon BMX and uh, you know, we're racing and uh, uh, he tells me, you know, he, his class has got like 14 kids in it. So seven year olds. And my class has got, you know, like five guys in it. So they're going to race all three motos. And in his class, you know, you got to qualify for the main. And so he doesn't qualify the first two motos. And, you know, I had won the, my first moto, came in second, the second moto. And here we're coming up on the third moto. And uh, he uh, he tells me, you know, because he, he knows first and second, second's going to qualify. And he tells me, Dad, I'm going to try for second. And had to give him the speech. You never try for second. You always try for first. Right. If second happens, it happens but you never try for second, you know, and he goes, okay, dad. And so my race is before his, you know, like three, three motos before his. And so I'm lined up and, and I got the inside line and we take off down the start hill and we come into the first corner and the dude that, that came in third in the first moto and and first in the second moto just rails me to the inside of the the turn there and runs me off the track. And I'm all, okay fucker it's on (laughs) and so we go over the big tabletop and and uh and uh you know i'm right on his rear wheel and i know as we go into the next two turns there's a spot where there's four little little uh jumps and i'd been watching the 14 year olds do this because they were uh they were the fastest kids on the track and you know and then us the older guys were the most aggressive (laughs) yeah yeah and so we come into this four little thing four little singles there and like i said i've been watching the 14 year olds and they were doubling in doubling out and we come around this 180 berm and and hit this section and i can hear the announcer in my head or in my helmet saying oh we got a race here this is gonna be great And, and i hear the announcer go oh he's going down i'm thinking great the dude's crashing (laughs) (laughs) who's he talking about yeah. Next thing I know, I'm laying on the ground looking at the stars, and my foot's pointing backwards. <laughs> I had broken my leg, and you know, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And so, um, you know, I get hauled off to the hospital and stuff. And so now I don't have a job. I've got a broken leg. I owe 
you know, about three grand to everybody. And I got all these buses in my backyard. What the hell am I going to do with this shit? (laughs) And, you know, so anyways, like I said, I, about, you know, eight weeks later, you know, I'm, I'm able to, to move around and, and do stuff. And, uh, I'm not supposed to put any weight on my leg for a year, but, uh, um, you know, I'm cruising along and, uh, you know, and I, finally I'm putting, I'm walking on the thing cause I, I got to get moving. I can't, I can't sit here anymore type stuff, you know, yeah, for sure. because basically, you know, my lower leg, I'd splintered the uh, tibia right through the head of the, the femur came down and hit the tibia like a, like a sledgehammer and just splintered the thing. Yikes. And, and, you know, so I got screws going sideways, screws going in from the front, a plate down in the middle of it with four screws holding it together. They took a piece of my hip out to grind up for bone glue to put everything back together down there and stuff. I, and, you know, that, and doctors tell me that's about the worst thing you can do to your body right there. Of course, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. how I do things. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, Anyways, back to the Volkswagens, I finally, you know, get back in, in, into that mode and I get the next one running and sell it for, you know, 2,500 bucks. And I pay my boss back and I pay my dad back, uh, you know, about 1,500 bucks, take the next one and I do the 71 and uh, sell that, you know, sell that thing for 2,200 bucks or something like that. So now I'm up on money and I still got cars to go. Sure, sure. <laughs> And, you know, things are going really well and, and, uh, do the Carmen Ghia. And like I said, it was at a sun, sunburst yellow or sunshine yellow, whatever that really bright yellow is that's on the right. model Carmen Ghia's mm-hmm. and, uh, get that thing running. I sold that for like 3,500 bucks and, you know, now I'm ahead and my wife's not so pissed off anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now it's starting to make sense. We're like, listen, with all this extra work and time, I can get these things and make some money. Yeah. And so now I've got basically the bus that I wanted and that Corvair. And I'm thinking, okay, the Corvair, I'm cleaning house on this one. You know, it's, it's so nice. And I'm trying to sell this thing. The I put it in. It's soft on early Corvairs. <laughs> I mean, soft. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I get the thing, I, it's almost run. It'll start and it'll run for a couple of minutes and then it just shuts off. And, you know, then, it'll, you know, it won't do anything for, you know, the rest of the day. And then the next day it'll do the same thing. And I could not figure it out. And I'm calling Corvair shops and asking them. And none of them really want to get, tell me anything. They just say, bring it down. I'll fix it. Right. <laughs> and like, dude, I know I, I can you know, do this. But anyways, we, uh, you know, I started out at like 4500 bucks for this car, five grand, something like that. I put it in the recycler. And, of course, they put it in as a 63 Corvette. For uh, forty five hundred. Oh yeah, bucks. phone's blowing up. Your phone <laughs> at, at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it does not stop ringing for four hours, and uh, you know, and I'm just uh, to the point now. It's a Corvair, not a Cor- Corvette. Click. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. And, and you know, so for the next week, the, we just left the phone off the hook, and unless we needed to make a phone call. <laughs> and so, what do you end up getting for the Corvair? Uh, I wound up selling it to my uncle who sold me my first Volkswagen for 500 bucks. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> the, the early Corvair market is super, super soft, man. Yeah. It's and, crazy. Yeah, so he got it. He got the thing running. You know, he's he's more uh, mechanically inclined, I would say, with the uh, the tune-up stuff on, on all, all different cars. He's, you know, he was electronically minded, and, and, and I could never get that figured out on that car. And, uh, 
So, I mean, he got it run and drove it for a couple of years and then wound up selling it for like 2200 bucks or whatever. Now how, now, how do you make the transition to starting to paint cars? Because you said Danny painted your car, your black car for you. How did you make the transition yeah. to start painting cars? Oh, well, um, uh, my daughter, I, well, when my son was turning 16, um, and this is in 1996, when 2004, um, I was doing work for Alex at ISP and uh he wanted me to do some work at his house and remodel work and asked me what i wanted and i told him i wanted a 59 rag top and uh he says well i got a 60 is that good enough and i said yeah it's close enough i do like the ice pick handles but i can live with a 60 you know but i want it painted and i want it sea blue and i want the the rag top and the headliner and the windows installed when you before you give it to me because i don't want to have to deal with any of that crap he said, I'll do the rest of the interior. I'll build the motor and the trans and everything and do the, the beam and all that. But, uh, you know, I, I want this done. He's okay. So, you know, two weeks later, he calls me up. Hey, your car's done. Come get it. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. Nice. And so I drag this thing home, you know, and this is in 2004-ish. And I tell my son, hey, there's your first car. And, you know, he's looking at it and, you know, because it doesn't run, no motor, no interior. I don't want that car. Right. That's know? a lot. That's not a car. That's a bunch of work. Yeah. And so I tell him, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, well, you're going to help me put this car together and it's going to be, you know, I'm thinking this to myself. I said, you can think what you want, but that's going to be your first car. Right. You know? And so, you know, we build this car and we get it done, you know, right, right about as the time he's turning 16. And for some reason he didn't care if he got his driver's license or not. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was 16, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of the house. I, I was, we were, as soon as the school got out, we're going to the DMV, you know? Oh yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, I got my first ticket when I was 14, so I didn't wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's getting close and he finally goes and gets his license like two months after he turned 16 and, you know, and the car is just about done. And I'm thinking, it's done. You know, here he's getting a, a a sixty bug with an eighteen thirty five and forty eights on it, you know, and, and you know he's gonna love this car and blah blah blah. And then right. my dad, my dad goes and, and decides that he's gonna go buy him a new Titan truck. Oh my god! <laughs> I've been trying to teach him to work for things, and you know, and right. that, that money doesn't grow on trees, and that you you know you need to, to put the effort out to get something and here you just go and give them a, you know, $20,000 truck. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and going, well, shit. So uh, I guess it's my car. And this is right about the time in 2006 ish when he turned 16 is when we finally started getting DKK back together and stuff, you know, or, and started talking seriously about putting it, you know, cause Danny had a nice car again. Uh, you know, a few of the guys had nice cars. And, you know, and, and we were talking about doing it, but we're still getting some pushback from some of the members and stuff. And it was, you know, but, you know, we had something to show because my, my, my bug was really nice. It, you know, sea blue, low on BRM, the flat four BRMs, you know, is pretty sweet car. And uh, so anyways, um, move on, you know, my son's driving the car and then he, you know, or driving his truck. I'm driving the car. My daughter loves to drive in the bug. Because, you know, dad, do a hot burn, you know, because she's still 10 years old at right. the time or whatever, you know, let's go do burnouts, let's go do, you know, I'm like, all right. <laughs> so, you know, she loves, uh, you know, driving in the Volkswagen because I go fast in it and, yeah. you know, and, and she loves it. 
And so she's coming up on 16 and this is going to be 2010 ish, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so and I'm talking to Alex uh, at ISP again and, and I'm telling him, Hey man, I'm looking for a Carmen Ghia. You know, I want to get one for, for my daughter, you know? And she said, and he goes, I got this 68 here and I'm all, okay. And I said, let me look at it. So I go over there and I, take a look at it and and you know and then somebody had it was an original uh the red uh what do you call the red uh ruby red ruby red yeah yeah and but somebody painted it the lavender with a white top on it well the car had been painted many times (laughs) i find out but uh so anyways you know i I look at it and and it's like i said it's that lavender color so i dragged the car home i mean it's a runner driver and, uh, you know, and, and I tell my daughter, you know, she's inside the house. What are you doing with that? And I said, that's your first car. And so she goes out there and she kind of looks at it and goes, well, can we paint it at least? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. You know, we'll, we'll do that. And uh, so I call up my friend Brent Coyman, who was also in DKK. Mm-hmm. And he's got a body shop that's like a half a mile from my house and you know, that he owns down there. And I say, hey, Brent, you know, um, how much to paint my car? And he said, dude, I don't, I don't want to paint that thing here. I, I do production work. It's, it's insurance work. That car, if you bring it down here, it's going to get pushed in the corner. It's never going to get done. Right. You know, and I said, he said, if you want, I'll, I'll have my friend come over, over to your house, take a look at it and tell you how much. And I said, okay. And so, uh, guy named Mark, Marky Mark, and he's one of down Huntington Beach. He's still painting cars down there. Mm-hmm. And he comes over and, and gives me a really good price of like $5,000 to paint this car. And, but you know, like I said, I'm married, I'm building a house sure. and uh, you know, and the kids are now in sports and stuff. And you know, I don't have five grand to, to spend on a Volkswagen. And so I'm talking to, to Brent again and he, and he says, just paint it yourself, dude. You can do it. I've seen your drywall work. You can make shit flat. You know how to sand. Right. You know, and, you know, painting's the easy part. And I'm all, oh, okay. You know, if you say so. He says, and, and I'm right down the street here. If you need any help, I'll swing by after I close and we'll take a look at it. And I'll get you set up what you got to do. And so, you know, nice. now I'm full of confidence and stuff. And so I decide, well, you know, we should strip the uh, paint off of this car, get this, you know, because. You know, like Danny always told me, you know, paint only sticks as good as what it's stuck to. Right. So, <laughs> so I decided, you know, we'll get some uh, aircraft stripper and we'll start stripping this thing. Well, this thing had been painted probably eight times in its life. Oh, wow. And I'm stripping this paint off and I'm finding like a big smear of Bondo here and I scrape that off and there's no dent. And then I get down to the next layer and I'm scraping it off, find another big thing of Bondo. And I'm like, oh, here's the damage. And I scrape all that off and there's no dent. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? There's <laughs> there's adding body lines to the car with Bondo. Yeah, pretty much. And so I finally get this thing down to bare metal and the car is near perfect. There's no rust on the car. There's no dents on the car. I mean, a few minor things, you know, door dings and stuff like that. But I mean, seriously, next to nothing. In, in body damage, but I bet I scraped two gallons of Bondo off of it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was the trick. And, and so I, you know, I pound out the dents and, and, you know, straighten everything out and then primer it and, 
you know, when it's your first car, you're really loading the primer on, then you sand it, then you load the primer up again, and then you sand it. And it was a ton of work. I mean, it took me, you know, I'm still working a full-time job, and I had just gotten to the electrician's apprenticeship, and, and at 30 years old, I'm the apprenticeor out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I... Every I free the, minute, you're over there working on this car? Yeah, pretty much, you know, for a year. It took me a year to do this car, which is pretty quick, actually, when I think about it. And, uh, you know, I get the car blocked out, and you know, and she's chosen uh, Regatta Blue as the color, which is a 68 color. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's fine, you know. And so we paint the car, you know, and it's got orange peel everywhere. But, you know, Brent comes over and says, dude, every car I paint, I plan on color sanding and, and buffing. So don't worry about it. Color sand it flat and polish it up. So I'm all, okay. So you know, now I'm I'm spending you know, and I paint this car. And, you know, like I said, I'm building my house. It's a a big house in La Habra Heights, and I built a 2,000 square foot garage. But the garage isn't done yet, so I'm and the driveway's not done yet either. So I painted the car out in the dirt in the driveway out there, yeah. and it still came out really nice, really really nice. And uh, you know, and so my daughter comes home and she loves it and everything, and get the car done, and you know, she wants to drive it uh, on the first day of school in September. I, I didn't finish in time for her birthday in May, but <clears throat> I finished it in time for uh, for the first day of school, barely. I mean, I'm putting the wheels on it. She wanted Riviera wheels, so I went and got some the real ones, found real ones, had them all polished out, put them on, Porsche, you know, lug nuts, the aluminum lug nuts and everything. And I said, now, and my daughter also played volleyball. She's uh, uh, athletic a scholar as well nice. and uh so she uh um <laughs> wants to drive the car and i said you got to come home from school so i can retorque the lug nuts you know you gotta they got oh, a no. seat and then and then i gotta you know i gotta tighten them up okay dad okay well she's going from you know school to volleyball practice to you know doing other things and not getting home till eight o'clock and I'm too damn tired to go out and tighten them. Well, by the end of the week, the back tire had loosened up and it fell off on her and just wadded up the, the rear quarter, oh, uh, driver's side rear quarter. And I'm all, well, son of a bitch. And so I pull it back out, you know, I straighten it, I repaint the quarter and I'm okay, we're good. Let's tighten up the lug nuts now. <laughs> yeah. You know, so a couple, you know, it was about a month and a half, uh, and I got the car back up and running and she's driving it again and gets rear ended in the car. Oh man. I mean, yeah. Just so I'm like, geez, you know, so I mean it, it wadded it up pretty good. And uh so, you know, I, I take it down to Alex and I because it the, this damage is beyond me, you know, I can't do this kind of this kind of body work. And so I have them uh, pull the body back into, you know, into shape and, you know, cause it was pushed in a good two inches. The rear fenders were popped out, everything. I mean, it was, it was a pretty good hit. And uh, so <clears throat> then, you know, we get all that straightened out, get the, the peaks out of the fenders and stuff where it pooched out mm -hmm. and I paint the, paint the car again, or, you know, and, <clears throat> comes out really nice and she's driving got the wheels torqued down everything <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> you know and, and like i said it's got a two liter in it with uh four 44s in it so she's got a car that pretty much hauls ass <clears throat> and uh 
um, you know, she's driving, it's her daily driver and she's driving it everywhere and she loves this car. And, you know, this is the best thing ever. It's her baby. And, you know, she, she loves it and, and, you know, goes all through high school. And of course I got to listen to, you know, I'm president of the, uh, of the volleyball booster club and stuff. And so I got to listen to all the moms tell me about how unsafe that car is and, you know, how oh, can no. I let her drive that car, you know, no airbags, no, yeah. yeah, no airbags. There's no, you know, there's no, it barely got seatbelts in it. And I said, it's got really good racing seatbelts in it, you know, right. but whatever, you know, and I said, but you know what? You're the same age as me. Didn't you ever ride in a Volkswagen? Well, of course, when I was a kid, I said, you live. I drove these things all the time. I lived. I said, and we were going up against, you know, you know, three ton Suburbans and, and, you know, the, those cars were much heavier back then. And, and we all survived that. So she'll be fine. You know, and she just look at, at the parents going, yeah, well, your kid loves riding in it. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> and then after this, you start painting a bunch of cars for people. So you kind of get a knack for painting or what? How does yeah, that pretty much? Into... I mean, I, I paint the car. Everybody sees it. It looks really nice. And, uh, and then, uh, Jim from DKK is uh, Jim Smith. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his green, not his birch green notch, but he wanted a notch back. And so, uh, Scott blades, another member, uh, found one. And so we went and looked at it and, and he buys the car, and and so I paint this car for him, birch green. Uh, nice. Came out really nice. And then, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty good at it. Then a friend of mine, the uh, one of the the guys whose daughter played volleyball with my daughter in high school, uh, got it, got himself a '59 Bug, uh, and we painted it birch green as well. But he couldn't tell me birch green. I had no idea. And you know, he basically comes over with a Home Depot sample that looks like Shamrock Shake, and and I'm all that's birch green. <laughs> yeah. And and so anyway, we paint her car, and she still has that car as well. She, she loves, you know, and she doesn't drive it much, but you know, she loves it. And uh, and then um, by this time, I'm working in the office at the Union Hall, and Henry Maeda from DKK calls me up. And his son had just passed away and my brother-in-law had just passed away and he calls me up, you know, and we're kind of uh, talking. And when I left the club, I left on kind of bad terms back in 2013 ish. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because there were some people that I didn't like and we didn't see eye to eye and so on and so forth. And, but Henry was the one when I said, you know what, fuck this shit. You know, why am I fighting so hard to make this club happen? with people that I don't even like hanging out with, you know, I'm like, screw this shit. I quit. Right. And Henry's all, and Henry was one of the few that sat there and said, hey, I don't want this guy to quit. Why can't we get along and just do this and, and put this club back together? And, you know, and, and he, you know, Randy's right. We need a president. We need this and that, you know? And I said, whatever, I'm done. And Danny quit the same night, you know? And he said, you know, I'm done with this crap. I'm done fighting with these people. And the guy who loved the club more than anything left the club because he and I have been such good friends. He's all screw this. I don't want to hang out with him either. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things when it, when it's something that's supposed to be fun and, it, and somehow it just ends up being a, a job to be part of it, you know, and everything seems right. to be a and, struggle. It's like, it's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be enjoyable and everybody's in it for the, for the right yeah. reasons, you know? Yeah. And, and now that's what they have. And they keep asking me to come back. And I just said, no, I left and I'm done, you know? So, but so anyway, so Henry, you know, calls me up one day. I'm I'm down in the union hall, and and he calls me up. Hey, uh, 
got this car, you know, the 67 bug, I've had it for years, you know, I, you know, would you be interested in painting it for me? And, and I said, Henry, I'll, I'll swing by after work tonight and on my way home and take a look at it. So, you know, I, I go over there and I look at it. It's a 67 bug that he'd put a rag top in and this and that. And, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, sure. He says, and I don't want anything nice. You know, I just, I just want something presentable. So, you know, I just feel a driver. good about it. Yeah, to feel something, you know, something that I feel okay about putting the club stickers in. And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. And I said, it'll look at least as good as Jim's car does, you know. And he says, oh, that's all I'm looking for, man, is something like that. And so, you know, we drag it over to my house and, you know, for the next, you know, five months or so, you know, he and I spent every weekend or every weekend together. And I spent a few nights after work uh, standing on this car and, and doing things to it. And, and he and I became really good friends, you know, and, and we were talking um, that, you know, how he always wanted to be wanted to work in a Volkswagen store because he hated being an IT guy, what he does, did for a living. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, back when I got laid off in 2009, I, I opened up this online store and, you know, I, I did my empty buy-in. I still have that, you know, and I, I can still buy parts and stuff. He's like, well, maybe one day we can, you know, do something with this. And he's like, really? Yeah, that'd be really cool. And I'm like, sure, you know, the, you know, just a pipe dream type stuff. You right. Know, thinking let's, let's do, yeah, sure, we'll do something. Sure. You know, and, you know, and, and, and so, you know, here I'm trying to sell parts online because I don't have time for a store from 2009 until then. And nobody's buying parts online at this time. They all still want to go to the store, you know, and, and buy their parts and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm thinking, man, I'm missing out by not having a store, but I don't have the money for rent and, and this to do that, you know, because you know, I've still got kids. I've still got a house. I've still got, you know, car payments and everything else. It just doesn't, doesn't fit in the, in the budget. And, uh, so, you know, we get his car painted and, uh, you know, and, and we go to pick the color and stuff, and, and he's like, I can't decide. I'm either going to go blue or or this Porsche olive green color, but, you know, it's such an ugly color, but, I, you know, it's it's so different, and I'm all, and I said, let me see it, and he shows me the picture, and I'm all, screw blue, dude. There's there's way too many blue cars, you know, blue bugs out there right now. Right. I said, this, this color right here, that's going to make this car. This is going to be something really cool. He's like, do you think? I said, he says, I don't know. And I said, absolutely, dude, absolutely. And so Bill Schwimmer had talked to him and says, oh, yeah, dude, you got to do that. Nobody paints their car like that. It would be the only one. Uh, and so we got him talking, you know, talked into it. And he went, goes and buys the paint. And so we paint the car. And, uh, you know, and I put like, you know, four or five coats of clear on this thing. So it's like really deep. And. You know, and then I drop the car off at his house and, you know, and don't really think anything of it for the next year or so because, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'd, I'd go swing by his house every once in a while. Dude, you're still not ready to drive that thing? And every time I go over there, I mean, he's polishing this thing up to like a diamond, man. It's, it is beautiful. And uh, so finally he, he debuts it at uh, the Christmas cruise for DKP. And, uh, and we're cruising around and everybody's kind of like, wow, look at that, you know, and I, and I come up and look at this car and it looks like, I mean, this thing is just so shiny and so polished and the, the paint looks like you could just walk into it, you know, nice. and I'm like, wow, 
you know, and everybody's going ape shit on this. Uh, immediately, Shen's over there, you know, talking to him about you know doing a magazine shoot, and so they do that. The next thing, next thing, you know, he, you know, you know, this car's been in three magazines. It's in Hot VWs. It's in Air Mighty and and uh, one of the other European magazines. And then somebody from Japan wants to come shoot it and put it in their magazine. So the thing's been in every magazine around the world. And, you know, I mean, it just looks, it, it's a nice looking car. It's right. really is a, a bitching car. And so, you know, moving, moving on along, uh, you know, and, and he wins the DKP, uh, you know, this, and this is in 2017, the 50 year anniversary of the 67. So every car that was at the DKP lineup on the pre-classic cruise was a 67 and he won, and you know, as best car there. And I'm like, you know. That's pretty, and there were some nice cars. There's a couple of Buddy Hill cars there, yeah. And, you know, but I mean, his car just looked really nice. And the guys, the guys from DKP really liked him and and everything, and still do. And, and this, but you know, it's just a, a very nice car and a car that any one of those guys would want to drive, you know, in the club as well. So sure, you know. So anyways, we changed Henry's name to Stewie because his head swelled up like. <laughs> <laughs> And, but. And, and and now how at, at what point do you decide so you're doing the online sales what point do you decide to open up their speed shack because you're what what's the reason for opening up the storefront well so like i said we we had talked about you know opening up a store if they, you know either one of us ever got any money and blah 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 and you know and i said you know if i can do it you know i'll I'll run the store or I'll get, you know, I'll do this and, you know, you can be the manager or whatever and do this. So anyways, around two, 2017, um, uh, my wife and I split up and, uh, you know, we sell the house and uh, my son bought it, fortunately, so it's, you know, it's still in the family now. And uh, we take the money and we split it up and, you know, and so now I've got a pretty good chunk of change and I'm thinking, you know, I'm here. I am, you know, what, 52 years old, 53 years old, getting getting close to retirement. I'd I'd really like to do something, you know, like have a store and, and an established store by the time I retire in five or six years or six or seven years, so that you know when I retire I can just step into this and you know still have my pension and you know make a little bit of money or at least pay the bills and have something to do. Sure. You know to keep us busy and stuff in between painting cars and stuff and henry's a couple years older than me and he's getting close to retirement and you know he's he's uh, you know and so you know one day i'm i'm talking to henry and and i say hey henry uh what do you think about uh opening up a store he's like really and i said yeah i said "I, i have money i'd like to invest it in this and and do this and you know we'll we'll go you know We'll, we'll open up a store here and, and do this. And meanwhile, uh, Brian Cook, um, a, a friend of mine from back in the 90s, uh, but then we lost touch and I didn't talk to him for uh, 15 years or so. And uh, he's over there looking at Henry's car at, at the Buggin' one, one thing in 2017. Yeah. And and I'm I go up and I see him and I haven't talked to him and in a while and, and he's talking to henry and i walk up and he goes oh here's the dude that painted it right here and he looks up and he goes randy <laughs> what's up brian you know and so we start talking and he owns a tire shop right right here in fullerton yeah and on euclid in uh in commonwealth 
And so, he, and he says, and I got the building in the back, you know, and he's telling me this, he says, I'm thinking about opening up a Volkswagen store, you know, here, a, a service area and a, uh, uh, you know, and, and selling parts and stuff out of here. And I'm all, oh, I said, well, you know, I've got a, I still have my empty deal dealership, right? Sure. And he, and he says, no, I didn't know that. And, and so we start talking and, and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to name it Murphy's after my dog and this and that and the other. Do you want to, you want to go in partners on it or anything like that? And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about that. You know, so we, we go on and on and, and then, you know, we start looking at the building and stuff and, and, you know, I, I just kind of had a bad vibe, you know, that, that this didn't feel right. It's nothing against Brian or anything like that because mm -hmm. he and I are still really good friends. I, I really like the guy and stuff, but I, I just, something didn't feel right to me. And I just thought, you know, I really want to do this on my own. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I don't want to be partners with somebody because it always ends on a bad note you know, sure. in, in a lawsuit, you know, I said, I, I want to do this on my own, you know? And, and so I, I go to Henry, I, I had gone back East to uh, with Alex from ISP because uh, he had a has a house in Pennsylvania, and every two years there's the Type Three invasion that's all over a different spot every two years, you know. And he said, and this time it was in Alabama, and he says, hey, let's let's fly back to Pennsylvania. We'll drive my square back from Pennsylvania to Alabama to the show, and then drive it back, and we'll fly home. And I'm like, all right. And so, you know, and right about this, it's this is all about the time that I'm you know, talking about opening up the shop. And so while I'm driving, we're driving, we got a 12 hour drive. So I'm, you know, ask Alex, I say, Hey dude, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And, you know, first thing Alex says is don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I'm telling you right now, don't do it. And, and I said, I, I, I got to do it. I feel like I'm missing, you know, like this is something that I have to do. And he says, don't do it. And I'm all, and I, I got to, and he says, if you're going to do it, just promise me this. If, if you lose, if you're not making money by the first year and, and you're running out of money, you got to shut it down. Don't go into debt for this thing. Okay. Promise me that. I'm all, okay. Okay. And so, you know, we drive, we're cruising along and, you know, having a good time and, uh, you know, spend three days in Alabama and I get chiggers all over my, we both get chiggers all over my leg, yeah. uh, all over each, you know, our legs and stuff. So, um, those things are miserable too. If you've never had them, it's they're miserable. And, uh, we come back and, and I call Henry up and I said, Hey, Henry, I, I don't want to be partners over there. I, I, let's, let's, let's go on our own. Let's, let's go find a place. So we find a place right down the street from, uh, Murphy's, you know, and, and we start, you know, I, I lease the building and, uh, we go in, we start renovating it, getting it ready. And, you know, and, and we opened a couple of days before Murphy's did. And, you know, and then immediately the Volkswagen community, for some reason, it has to be this guy or that guy. It can't be both. It has to be one right. or the other. Right. You know? Don't and, go here. And, if you go there, yeah, you're a and, traitor. Yeah. Yeah. And we only support this guy. And so, you know, so, I mean, here it is. I've got DKP and DKK, you know, both backing me. And he's got, some, you know, a bunch of the other guys backing him and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and I'm trying to stay out of his business because, you know, I mean, because I'm still friends with you, Brian. And, and, you know, you know, I, I just needed to do this on my own. I can't, and I didn't want to be partners with anybody. And he's like, yeah, that's cool, dude. No problem. You know? And, uh, 
but like I said, everybody else in the Volkswagen community is is you know trying to you know it's got it's one or the other you know and it's like dude we can both survive. Yeah, it's He's, super super weird how how this yeah. this happens like that you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he's basically doing service work and selling parts, you know, to the people and installing them for them. And I'm going after the the, the do-it-yourselfer guy. I'm you know the guys that don't want it installed that want to do it themselves, and you know and so. You know, he and I are both cool. We're, we're still talking, you know, every week or so, you know, seeing how each other's doing. And it's like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> you know, and in the meantime, I've, I've talked to to Steve Makepeace, so, you know, because he and I have been friends for years, too, from Bill and Steve. Sure. And uh, he's like, what did you open that store for? You should have never opened that, man. I, why didn't you talk to me? I would have told you, don't open this place, you know. I'm like, it's, I had to do it, dude. I, I have to get this out of my system. Otherwise I'm going to be 70 years old going, man, I should have done that. You know, <laughs> and, and, but there's something to be said for that, right? Like there's, there's, yeah. there's a desire in you to try to do it yeah. and, yeah. and you, something will never sit right if you never try it. And you don't really, everybody, you know, all of us, especially the contractors and stuff that we're out here, are like, well, this is easy. There's a, plenty of people that need well, this work done. I start yeah. doing that work and now I do enough work where I'm making money. And so we think the VW business is the same way, but you yeah. know, the, the, the problem is if you're in the parts business, you know, yeah. you, yeah. you don't realize that everybody, what everybody wants is they want to buy it as cheap as possible. And, 100%. and, and what they don't, what they want to do is, is buy it at online price where they don't have overhead attached to it. So they want to yes. get it where a guy's marking it up 10% and he's never touching it. And yeah. they want you to warranty it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like they they want the best of both worlds, and then they want it that they want it in stock. So then you got to try to figure out what is it people need us to have in stock so that they'll come in here and buy it. And then here, when you got some great deal sitting here, you watch people go online and get hosed. It's like well, one of the things that I see always sells more than what they go for brand new is Berg shifters. It just boggles my mind that mm -hmm. people sell Berg shifters used for more than what they sell for new. It's the most ridiculous thing ever because i'm like can't you just call berg and get a shifter they're not that much money like where are these people getting these crazy prices from dude i would go and buy berg shifters brand new bring them into my shop mark them up 30 bucks and i'd be selling them yeah the, <laughs> and i'm like dude why did you just call berg <laughs> yeah it's uh, but it's, it's it's just such a it's just a weird a weird thing but you know you get you get the shop going and then yeah. right right as soon as you open a shop then all of a sudden it's like it's like you joined a club you didn't know you joined, and you're now, like you said, it's either this guy or that guy, and they can't support both. And then yeah. one guy will get mad and say, well, if you buy any stuff from him, I'm going to be upset with you. It just it yeah. seems so childish versus, like, if everybody just focuses on what they want to specialize in, then everybody yeah, it, can be successful. You know, and, and then even still, you know, I go down and I talk to Larry at Pureside Parts, and, you know, and, and he'd say this, dude, what did you open this for? You know, I mean, you should, you should have never, you should have asked me. And I said, I just want to break even, dude. I just, I, I want something to do in my retirement. He says, well, that should be doable, you know, but, you know, I mean, but you got a lot of competition to just sling an empty parts and, you know, and whatever else you're doing. And I said, yeah, I, I know, but I had to get it out of my system, you know, and, and he's like, yeah, because it's, it's a tough business, you know. I mean, getting people to come in, get just getting them to get off their ass to come down. Right. And, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was younger and I and still today, I and I want a part, 
I want to go see it. I want to put it in my hand and see if I want to deal with this thing or if I want to look for something better. Yeah, you know, it's, where, it, it's it's a, it's a I think it's a generational thing, you know, because we you know we like to go into a place, we like to be able to pull in and buy mm-hmm. something wherever we're and, going and talk to somebody and, and get their experience on, you know, and, and what people have said about it and stuff yeah. firsthand, you know, and like you said, and this, you know, and nowadays they, they want to buy it online, have it shipped to themselves and then decide if they like it. And if they like it, fine. If they don't like it, eh, ship it back. And it's like, don't you, well, they don't care is the problem, but it costs money to, for the guy to ship it and then ship it back and, you know, and pay for that. And, you know, and, and when you're charging half nothing, you know, there's no markup on it, you know, just to, to be able to compete with the guys on Amazon and eBay and, and that, and, you know, you, you can't hardly mark it up enough to make it worthwhile to have a, a brick and mortar store. Well, and, and it's tough because the, you, the VW scene deserves something like that, but, Mm-hmm. You know, even here locally, you know, I push people to support the local stores here to buy stuff from that they've been around mm-hmm. forever because, you know, these people put the time and effort into it. And without a thought, people just hop online and order something. And, and the challenge mm-hmm. is, you know, when you got a place, when you got a parts business like this, you know, what do you supply? Do you small, do you supply the routine maintenance stuff or do you supply mm-hmm. the performance stuff or how do you blend in between? Because, you know, to keep a shop like that going, I've never even been in that business, but I'd have to guess you'd have to have a mi- at a bare minimum of $50,000 in inventory at all times. Uh, about 25 minimum. Yeah. Um, and you're still I mean, it, don't, it, it, have this, don't have that when they come yeah, in. And, yeah. And you're missing, you, you know, and no matter what you have, <laughs> it's, it's never what they need and, or it's never the right color or, you know, or, you know, uh, you got white and I want black and, and now there's this red one over here that I'm looking at and it's, you know, I mean, no matter what I bought, it was always wrong, you yeah. know, and w- tried to keep on the shelves and stuff. And so then I just started buying black stuff, you know, because, you know, m- most, most of the stuff is black, but most of the stuff you sell is tune up parts yeah, and stuff, you know, and guys will come in with just this oddball distributor and want you to have a cap for it. And, you know, well, I got this one. It's, you know, it's pretty close to that. Well, it's not the exact one. Well, they don't make that one anymore, dude. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, just a, it's just an interesting dynamic to go through there. So how long yeah. do you keep your speed shack going for? Uh, I had it. I had the brick and mortar store open for just under a year. And I had, you know, I'd spent all my money. I had, you know, enough money. When I, when I told uh, Henry and uh, Tian, the girl that uh, was doing my bookkeeping for me, that, you know, hey, you guys need to start looking for, for a job because I'm running out of money. And I got enough to make payroll and enough to pay taxes for, you know, all of the taxes that are due that are never ending. We can get into that. Never, <laughs> yeah, it never ends. A small, as a small business owner, it like it seems like the taxes never end. And people they, – yeah, everybody's impression is that, oh, you own this business, you're making gobs of money, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, let me see you buy something for a hundred bucks, sell it for $130 and then send 15 to the government. You know what I mean? You laid out the, it's just like, it's, you're, you're, you're over there making 10%, you know, 15% gross. And then how much do you got to sell in a day? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to do a minimum of a thousand dollars a day a minimum. Yeah. And there, there were some days where I didn't have a single customer come into the door 
come through the door and it's like what is wrong with these people what is wrong with my store this store is one of the coolest places yeah. around i mean i mean it was uh, it was set up to everybody that walked in that actually came into the store so this place is really cool dude this is you know and you know everybody that came in loved the store I just couldn't get enough people to come in. Yeah, and the problem and, is, what, what's the cheapest storefront you're going to get? Twenty five hundred bucks a month. Yeah, and mine was thirty two because it was. Yes, uh, so you have a hundred. You have a hundred ten dollars a day, just yeah. for rent. Exactly. You know, and you know, and then the not counting payroll and payroll taxes oh, yeah. and and people don't realize that that when you have employees, it costs you even more money to oh, yeah. you know, to pay them and you know workers comp. Yeah, I think thousand bucks a day is break even money. I think that's yeah, honestly what that is. That's, that's to break even. That's to not that's, make a dollar. But but to be able to stay in business. To keep it open. Yeah. And you know, they don't realize, you know, state of California, I called for workman's comp for a bookkeeper and a counter guy, Henry. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, how much is that? And they said, Oh, that's uh seven hundred dollars a year. And I said, well, that seems reasonable, you know, for, for, two, you know, for this. And so I said, okay, I'll take that. And they said, well, we still have to add the California tax on that for your, for your uh, workman's comp. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all, well, what do I get for that? And they said, you get to operate in California. Right, we let you. <laughs> we let you be in business. That's so nice yeah. of them. Yeah. And, and I said, well, how much is that? I said, well, with the the seven hundred dollars for the the workman's comp plus the California tax, it'll be thirty eight hundred dollars a year. Yeah, thirty eight hundred dollars. You realize the guy is standing here talking to people. Yep. yep. It's three, <laughs> so it's three hundred bucks a month. Three hundred bucks yeah. a month just exactly. to just to have the insurance. Like, and a lot of people that have never owned a business don't realize what it takes to do that. And and mm-hmm. you know the 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 compounding costs that that mm-hmm. run every month and then when you look at the end of the month you know you're just to just to operate like i said you're you're thirty thousand dollars a month just to operate between overhead yeah. insurance taxes all the ancillary stuff that goes with it it's just it's it's difficult and you know the people people don't they underestimate what it takes to operate a business like that and then mm-hmm. when someone buy something that they realize they didn't need and then they come back to return it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so now you've got this part that you can't sell because they ripped it off of the blister pack or destroyed the box. And so you may be able to sell it for two thirds of what you paid for it and try and recruit, recoup some of your money, Yeah, you know, o- over here in the uh, consignment, you know, area and, <laughs> you know, and, and they don't understand, you know, that, you know, when you order that, you know, there's a reason I said you got to pay up front because if I don't stock it, it's a part that I don't stock and, you know, and it's a special order and there's no returns on that. Well, they always want to return something. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I, I okay, so now I got $500 worth of crap that I'm never going to be able to sell because nobody's ever asked me for that part in my life except for you. <laughs> and. Yeah, no, it's you know. it, it's an interesting. It's it, but you know the good thing is there, there's an experience that you had to go through to do that, and mm-hmm. you know it's uh, it, it's it's disappointing that in the mecca of VW bugs, a shop mm-hmm. like that can't make it. And the only way that you're, you're able to make it in something like that is let's say if you own the whole building and you weren't charging yourself rent. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, and then you know, about eight months into it. 
you know, it, it almost looked like things were starting to turn around and, you know, it was getting busy and it was right after drag day. And I, and I decided, okay, I'm going to sponsor, uh, Chris Wink, Winker, uh, uh-huh. Winkowski and, you know, and, you know, and I'll give him some parts or whatever. And, you know, and, and he wants to run my stickers and this and that. And he pulls out of that thing, just doing sky high wheelies and business started booming right now. Cause I mean, the guy is a great, a great guy. He's a really super nice guy. And, you know, and he really pushed the business, you know, every time, you know, he got an opportunity, Hey, shop at your speed check, you know, just to, he's right, doing right. the right thing, you know, and business started picking up and, you know, and, and pretty soon every car in the, uh, you know, on the strip wants to run my stickers on their car and stuff, it's, you know, not even asking for anything. They just, you know, I, I had a really cool logo. It was, oh, I got uh, it. I, I have Chris's, the Chris's white 69 bug. So I bought that yeah. from him and it has a dirt speed check sticker on the bottom. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and you know the the uh, Jeff Hicken from DKK made that for me, designed that for me, and and you know it's, to me it, it was one of the cool. I gave him the idea of what I wanted. I wanted a BRM doing a burnout, and you know, and, and he nailed it. You know, and and you know, and then he says, "What color do you want?" And well, my notch is orange, so let's go orange. And here's, oh, I don't want orange, uh, but you know, it it stands out. You know, orange sure. stands out, and uh, um. So, but yeah, he, uh, you know, so like I said, business, I thought, Hey man, we're going to make it. We're finally going to start, you know, get close to breaking even. And then things just kind of tailed off, you know, uh, there was no drag races. There was nothing no, going this is on. COVID hits. And then it's just like, well, no, I, I, I'd closed uh, a year before COVID hit. So yeah. COVID had nothing to do with me. Um, it was just lack of support that killed me. But, you know, like I said, I, I was talking to Tiger at, you know, at shows and stuff, and he'd come up, hey, how's it going? You know, how's the business going? You know, and, and I'd tell him, eh, it's not so great. You know, I'm, I still haven't, you know, broke even yet. And he says, well, do yourself a favor. Whatever you do, don't go into debt. Don't, don't keep thinking that it's going to turn around because it's not. Right. It, it won't, you know, he said, you got to know when to say when. Yeah, you know, and don't be afraid to do it. I know it sucks, but don't be afraid to pull the plug on it. And I'm all like, yeah, well, I'm still hoping for this. And I, and he says, just just a word of advice, dude. If it's if it's not doing it, know when to say when. Don't yeah, don't, that's the that's yeah. the best advice you could get because yeah, you know, it'll it'll drag you into debt, you know, pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you know, here it is, May of 2018, I think it is now. Uh, yeah i think or 29 i I forget uh 2018 i think and uh and you know i'm i'm seriously out of money i i have enough to pay taxes you know i've got like 25 grand left uh of money to to pour into this business and it's going to go to payroll and taxes and then i'm going to be lucky to have three or four thousand dollars left in my pocket you know it's like you know and i'm thinking dude you're 55 54 years old and <laughs> you just blew your uh there goes your house money that you know you're gonna do this and you still don't have a boat <laughs> yeah and, and you know and so i'm sitting there just you know and i i pull tian and, and henry in into the back i come in i came from work one day and and 
you know, cause every day I'm, I'm still an electrician going to work every single day, getting up at four. And then I go to the shop after work and then I, you know, I close the shop at six and, and then I'm there till eight o'clock doing cleanup and everything else. And, you know, then get up at four to go to work the next day. And so, you know, it's the, the whole year was nothing but work for me. And I mean, that's basically how I've lived the last 20 years anyway. So it was just like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I do. This is what I do. And I couldn't do it anymore. And I, I brought them, you know, I called them into the back and I said, you guys, you know, need to start looking for other work, you know, because at the end of next month, uh, I'm shutting it down, you know, and I, I don't have any more money. And so then, you know, things got a little tense in the shop, I'll say, with, you know, with Tien and Henry and myself. And, you know, they thought I was, you know, screwing them over. And I'm like, dude, I just don't have the money. I would love to keep going, but I don't have the money. And I'm not going to ask you to work for free because you guys aren't here for free. Henry, you right. quit your job to come work here. You know, Tien was looking for a job and, you know, it kind of fell into her lap. But, you know, I, I can't pay you. I don't have the money to pay you. And I don't want to ask you to work for free. Right. And and so, uh, it, you know, it goes on and we close the store and, you know, um, I move all the parts into a container and, um, you know, and, and, you know, Henry and I aren't really talking, Tien and I haven't talked since I closed the store, um, you know, and so it caused a lot of hard feelings there. Henry and I, uh, over the last couple of years, you know, we've been slowly, you know, becoming good friends again, I would say, you know, we're laughing and joking again and, and things are almost back to normal between he and I, um, you know, and, and I really hope we get it back together because, you know, we, we are good friends and, and, and that's I really the t- do. And that's the tough thing, you know, anytime you do something like that with, with, with friends, there's this, yeah. you know, there, there's really so much money that goes out of pocket into that to make that mm-hmm. happen. And, and sometimes people don't really realize it when you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars to keep yeah. the place afloat. Yeah, uh, I, I had over a hundred thousand dollars just disappear in a year. Yeah, and and you know, and I'm sorry, I don't have any more money. I do yeah. not have any more money. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, yeah. you most people would have started it without that kind of money backing them, and then they would just uh, go deep into debt, and then they just have to file bankruptcy. Yeah, and you know, and so I closed the store. Fortunately, I didn't owe anybody money. I yeah, you know, I paid for everything. Uh, I don't owe anybody any money, but I didn't have any money. I, I wound up with about seven grand left over um, and then just went deep into painting cars again and, uh, you know, painted, geez, uh, in the last three years, I probably painted 10 or 12 cars. Yeah. And, and good news is I did get my boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, you know, but I mean, that, that's basically was my life. I, I worked my ass off at, at, during the day and then came back after work and, and painted cars. And my girlfriend is like, why are you always there? Because I need the money. I need to get, I need to feel like I have some of my money back. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it, the, the craziest part is it's like, it's, a, it's that much easier if it's just you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause it's, it's yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate and and you know in that type of business the, all you can do is is promote it the best you can and hope that people come in call you when they need to order something and you know yeah. it, it's difficult 
to find unless you're manufacturing something no one else carries it's difficult to find somebody that will be able to yeah. y- you know th- something will set you apart from everyone else exactly and you know i mean and it was like i said it was a it was a good experience i mean it was it was hard on on the wallet but you know i mean we had a lot of fun up until the end and but you know like i said it was an expensive lesson life lesson for me yeah and And i think uh, you know and and and, you know as as much as it is it's it's something that you had to go through to at least know that you don't live your life with what ifs yeah exactly and that's exactly it so you know i closed the store i still sell parts online uh but you know people want to email me and you know for a three dollar part yeah (laughs) It's like, dude, it's going to cost you eight bucks to ship it. Well, you can't give me free shipping. Right. How much profit do you think is in a $3 part that I can pay for $8 shipping? Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> no such thing as a free lunch in this world. Yeah. Know? And, you know, and so, you know, it's, unless it's a, you know, somebody wants something that's worth it to me to, to pull away from painting the car. I'm not even going to answer the email for a $10 part or something like that. It's right. You know, and I hate to be a dick like that, but it's just the cold, hard facts. I've got more money sitting there than I do for the dollar and a half. I'm going to make out of this $10 and I'm going to have to spend three hours boxing, taking it to the post office and and answering emails. You know, there a dollar and a half just ain't worth it. You know, order something else, you know, I mean, try and support these businesses that are struggling and trying to make it, you know, but, like I said, people, I, I need this spark plug. You don't need four of them. You only need one. <laughs> I just need one. <laughs> like I only sell them in sets of four. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is this you again? I only sell them in sets of eight. Like you have to. Yeah. yeah no, it's, a, got, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely uh, a, a tough road to hoe. And so the lesson we can learn from this is like take the time to support your local shops. You know, do that's, what you can. That's your number one. I mean, because even still to this day, I still have my MP buy-in. But if it's a Saturday. I go down to Pierside Parts, you know, I, I support Larry and, you know, and I buy parts from him and, you know, I don't ask for a discount because that's not what friends do. Right. It's, you know, I mean, that's not supporting business. your friends. Yeah. Yeah, supporting your friends is paying the price because the, the price they have on that, that, that part is what it's going to take them to actually keep the doors open. And, right. you know, and maybe have enough to take his wife out to dinner or something, you know, I mean, there's not a huge markup in this, in the parts business for Volkswagens, you know, and people just don't re- seem to realize that they, they don't seem to real. what they really don't seem to realize is, is that we have to pay for those parts, you know, and up front, <laughs> you know, and they think that, that, that MP's given it to us, you know, or, or whoever you're getting it from is just giving it to you to sell for them because it's got their name on it. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, if, if you are damn lucky, if you can make 30% on a part and 30% barely covers. Yeah. 30% gross doesn't pay for I mean, you gotta yeah, take, you gotta keeps, take out 10% yeah. of your profit, 10% of the profit just for overhead. Yeah. If you're lucky, that's it, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, and then the taxes that you have to pay on everything. Like I said, it's every time I felt like I was getting a dollar ahead, uh, 
the governor would call and let me know that I owed him more money. <laughs> and it's amazing. It's amazing these taxes that they find out that you like. Oh yeah, well you you owe this special tax. There's a tortoise tax. Like what's the tortoise tax? Like well it's just yeah. a tax because somebody had a tortoise. Like I mean I'm being a little facetious, but like there's the mm-hmm. most there's the most ridiculous taxes that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it okay. it's almost like you look at it and thinking these are business prohibitive taxes. Yeah, you know? exactly. And even unemployment uh, insurance. You know, I mean, because you take uh, uh, money out of your uh, uh, everybody that that works basically gets an unemployment you know deduction out of their paycheck, yep. and I never realized that on top of that the employer has to pay another, I think it was fifteen or twenty percent. Uh, oh yeah, know, and then uh, and then on top uh, of that you have to have your an- you have to have ten percent of your annual payroll in reserve funds, so that yeah. when someone files unemployment they pay out of that, and then. If you do more in business, they they raise how much you owe so that you can keep putting more money in that. And the yeah. the best part is, you never get it back. Yeah, and it, that money is just like you said, it's gone. Well, it's they, gone. they keep it in a <laughs> in, in an imaginary account for you. If anyone files an employment against you, now you never yeah. get it back because they use it to pay other people too for other yeah, businesses. Exactly. But yeah, and, you know. But like I said, that that money is is gone. You're never going to see it again. The woes and, of being a business owner. Yeah, I mean, and I'm thinking, you know, everyone I talk to says, "Oh man, starting a business was the best thing I ever did," and I'm thinking to myself, "Man, this is the dumbest thing I ever did." You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I consider myself a relatively smart person, and the fact that I did this, and like I said, it's I had to get it out of my system. Was I'm I'm just. Well, I, yeah. I sit there and, and think to myself every day, God, you're a dumbass. Why would you do that? You, you had Alex, you had Steve Makepeace, you had Larry. Everybody telling you don't do it. Telling don't you do don't it. do it. You don't do it. And me sitting there going, dude, there's tons of money in it, man. I mean, look at all the stores. I mean, look at your stores. You guys are in business. I want to you live know? my life and do Volkswagens all day, every yeah. day. You yeah. know, and, and they're like, Dude, it took a long time to get there, and nowadays, he says, in the last ten years, every one of them in the last ten years, the market's been dropping, you know, and, and you know, as far as parts go, you know, and it's harder and harder to make that nut every month, and you know, and and you got to just keep on, you know, and, and so now you got to compete with the Amazon and, and and eBay and stuff, and and I was selling stuff on eBay. And that's another thing, you know, eBay charges their fees and then oh, PayPal yeah. charges their fees. And by the time it's all said and done, you didn't make any you're money. making, yeah, maybe 6%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, don't forget to pay your taxes. Don't forget to pay your taxes. And it's not taxed on the 6% profit. It's taxed on the whole gross sale. So don't worry about exactly. that. They'll yeah, figure out yeah. a way to squeeze that last 6, 6% out of you. Yeah. You know, and then Amazon to just, and, and I can't blame them, blame them. They're just platforms and, you know, and people are buying from from those platforms it's you know the people that aren't supporting the business that are just they want the cheapest part available and and that's all they care about is the price and so but you know it it is what it is well and it's (laughs) you know randy we learned a lot uh, on this podcast you know we learned a lot about your history and we learned a lot about uh about uh, what I hope I didn't what, I hope I didn't bore you too much with what, my story. <laughs> what to do and not to do when coming to deciding to open your own business. But um, yeah. before we wrap up, anybody you want to give a special thanks to or anybody like that uh, that we can uh, that you can do. Uh, well, you know, I want to say thanks to Henry for for helping me out and doing that for you know coming to work for me in the first place and and trying to make it work and 
you know, without him, I, it, it would have never happened anyways. So, and, you know, Brent Coyman and Danny Gabbard for, you know, Danny for teaching me how to sand and prep a car and Brent for teaching me how to paint and, you know, do the thing. And, you know, those guys, you know, and, and all the guys from, you know, from the clubs and stuff that are, you know, I mean, I'm friends with all of them and, and they still, you know, even, you know, still ask me and hang out with me and do all this stuff because, you know, even through all this shit, you know, I've, I've tried to maintain the friendships with them and stuff. So that's it. When, it, when it all comes down to it, man, it's all about the cars and the people. That's it. You know, and, and without that, you know, why bother doing it? It's, you know, it, if, if you're not going to be friendly to people and, and hang out, then, you know, it, just, just go hide in the corner and, and sell your no, car. 100 percent. <laughs> Well, shoot, yeah. I, I appreciate you for coming on the podcast, man. And uh, I look uh, forward for, to, uh, to meeting you in person at the next event that I see in Southern California. All right. Well, and uh, I'm going to try to get to some Vegas stuff in the next year or two and, and do that, too. So You got uh, it. So right on. So well, cool. well, thank you for having me. Thanks, man. And, I appreciate you, brother. All right. Well, have a good night. You too. Well, I hope you guys like that podcast. Uh, another good one coming to you, The Story of Der Speed Shack and also Randy Long. If you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com. Go to the merch page. Pick up some merch. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I just threw a little video on this week from that Maui trip, and I want to give some shout-outs to some of the people that went ahead and uh, some of the people that picked up some merch. I can't forget Keone Dorigo from Maui, my boy. Keone, shout out to him uh, for setting up that whole Maui thing and also picking up some merch. Kenneth Luttrell, I met him at the Spring Bug around me. He's out of uh, Northern California area. Kyle Beckley, and he's living out of Clackamas, Oregon right now. So he picked up some merch and used to live here about 11 years ago and had George do some work on his car. So shout out to you guys, man. I appreciate all you guys for listening. I look forward to putting on some more podcasts. Like I said this week, I'm going to be at uh, Volks Jam. If you guys are going to be out of Volks Jam, swing by, say hey. And until next week, guys, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. The 1974 Volkswagen, covered by VW Motors Security Blanket.